Hello and welcome to the Events Podcast, where we help you build your events empire by building profitable events while having fun at the same time. So we've had a bit of a break over the summer, really since the start of the year, you know. I was really busy with my company Apps Events during the pandemic. Uh, I talked about that on the last call with James. You know, we, we transitioned to doing a lot of work for Google, running a lot of online events, doing different stuff. Um, so I was just really busy, but I've really missed doing the events podcast and we're still getting great views. We're actually a top 10% of all podcasts in the world still, which is amazing as it's a very niche thing. But I want to say a couple of things. Firstly, if you enjoy the podcast, please get in touch with me. Like uh, most people don't give me any feedback and, and getting feedback really encourages me to make more episodes. Just email me at dan at absevents.com, D-A-N at absevents.com. Even better, if you can give us a review, uh, anywhere you listen to the podcast, please stop right now in iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, wherever you are, and please leave us a review if possible, five stars, of course, would be great. Back to the podcast. So we, we really focus on helping event entrepreneurs run amazing events, and that could be people who run events companies, but also just as many people, maybe more, are entrepreneurs who just run events as part of their business. You know, they might run events to promote something else, they might run meetups, they might run one big conference a year. This is the kind of people I want to help, you know, because I, I run events myself. So, you know, this podcast is kind of like therapy for me where I get help and assistance on how to run the event. So please, again, leave some feedback. Uh, and secondly, obviously there's a lot of costs associating with this podcast. I've got two people who help me out with editing and graphics and everything else. So if you're a sponsor, possibly you're a software company who um, sells to the event industry, then and you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, like I said, it's a top 10% podcast, please get in touch. Uh, we'd love to talk to you, danapsevents.com, and it'd be great to talk. So thank you very much. Uh, and now on to the interview. Hello, welcome to the Events Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to uh, Robbie McClung uh, from the US. Rob, Robbie, I don't even know what state you're in. Whereabouts are you? Um, I, I'm in West Virginia. Okay. Uh, Davis, West Virginia, which is kind okay. of uh, north central West Virginia. Fantastic. Well, Robbie uh, and me are both in a group called the DC Dynamite Circle. I've been in, I think, 11 years now since the very beginning. I think, and I think you just joined. Is that, is that right, Robbie? I did just join, Yes. And, and I saw a post you did and about and how you run a, a marathon and a half marathon. I'm like, that's really interesting because, you know, I, I um, do this podcast to talk to people that run events, you know, although some people run events professionally, some people just run events as part of their business. But, you know, it's been fun. And I, I've kind of had a bit of a hiatus and I'm relaunching it again. So good. It was kind of good when I saw your message. I thought it'd be good to, to get you on. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a rough rough kind of time for events so you know yeah tell me you know it it but um i I mean i think the future's bright i'm excited um i've definitely had some um you know it's been a rough year but uh yeah i stumbled upon uh, i'm in another um marketing forum and i stumbled upon a thread and people were talking about the dynamite circle or not necessarily talk about it but they and, um, you know, I, I started listening to the podcast. I'm like, wow, these guys are in events, you know, I can kind of relate. And that's sort of why I, I jumped in to, to the, to the, to the group. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, cu- currently I, I am a full-time uh, event producer. So, um, that's good. Well, let's, let's get into the background. Yeah. I want to talk about this year. Cause obviously a lot of people have really struggled this year, you know, and, and, um, you know, we've actually done all right, but I, I, I'll tell you about that. You know, we've, we've I mean, we, we managed to get some other stuff, but but for a while it, it was down and, and some people just 
have had to get other work, you know. But but we'll talk about that definitely because I think you know hopefully the we're coming out of it. Fingers crossed, you know. But um, like, what what's your background? I'm, I I don't know. What's your have you always been an entrepreneur or what did you do originally? No, I have not. All. So, and we kind of chatted a, a little bit, I guess, you know, I'm trying to, to chart out my, my journey. My, my background originally is in the hospitality industry. Yeah. And, you know, I guess, I, you know, not the traditional digital nomad, but I, I definitely started off as a, as a ski bum in the uh, early 2000s. I'm 42. So when I was 21, I hopped on a Greyhound bus from, I was living in Florida at the time and moved to Lake Tahoe to kind of just snowboard. Yeah, and, well. uh, you know, my, with anything like to improve your quality of life, you kind of have to follow a path. So, you know, I'd started off as a, a lift op and then a bus boy and, you know, kind of worked my way up, but I, I got into hospitality man, management and became a, a sommelier. So wine and, uh, you know, running restaurants and being a, a server and a bartender, that could be a whole nother podcast, but there's a lot of events there. And I produced events for venues that I, that I ran. And in 2010, I was living in the Florida Keys. My parents are divorced, so I'm from West Virginia in the Florida Keys. I was approached by a, um, by a local not-for-profit that produces concerts, and they asked me if I wanted to produce a concert for them. And I started a, a, a bluegrass music festival in the Florida Keys called the Baygrass Bluegrass Festival. Um, this will be 10 years of that how, how did you start that's, that's interesting so how did you start a music festival from scratch like and you haven't you didn't mention any of any other experience before that with music how did that come about well i did book some music at the at the actual you know the restaurants that i were managing bars right. so i did have experience in booking music you know the 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 actual restaurant and venue that i managed we had a full moon party once a month probably not as big as thailand's but it was about two thousand people on average so and I had multiple weddings a week. So I understood the, uh, the event process. Um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, that's um, I understood the event process and how, you know, to organize the events. I had never done, done an event like that. And um, fortunately for better or for worse, it wasn't, it wasn't really my money that I did. The not-for-profit wanted me to produce the event. We had a two, we, and I still work for them. We have a, a, a two-part mission statement is to you know provide arts and culture but to subsidize arts and culture so I, i'll be honest i just went for it man <laughs> i really didn't know so much about it. Profit, were you were they just paying you like a fee like a salary oh. to run it like how did that work to start i didn't get a salary i got a budget to produce a music festival okay so they didn't I, pay you anything at all not the first year eventually like i got i got into that but I mean, I, I had a budget to where I got to book 10 bands at, a, at an amphitheater on the water in the Florida Keys, which I think is pretty, pretty cool. And, you know, I'm yeah, one of the yeah. people that can that has had that ability at that particular amphitheater to do that. That particular event, Sky, uh, like catapulted where to me to where I am now, because we also didn't have any money. And I think that was right when Facebook was launching Facebook ads. So you're getting like the $50 coupon for the try a Facebook ad. And back then, like Facebook ads, you know, went, well, I'm not going to say way farther because you can really dig in and do well now, but I mean, it was like a gold rush, you know, you could, spend- this was so, uh, how did you, so you, you, they, they, this nonprofit got you to organize it. Did you, that's how you promoted it? Like Facebook is it, was that how you, how did you get it going? Cause how many people did you need? I mean, how many people came and what was your, how many people uh, did you We need? had about 1500 to 2000 people the first okay. year. It was a, a free a, a free event the first year. 
I, and how much I'm curious, like, I, I mean, I quite like bluegrass music, but I don't know too much about it, you know, like I'm not super into it or anything. How much, do, how much do bluegrass bands cost? I mean, is there any big names? It's quite a niche. I mean, here in Europe, I mean, people know about it, but it's not big. I imagine it's fairly big in the US, but it's not super mainstream. So like, what, what would you pay to get a bluegrass band, like a major I mean, name? Usually my budgets for this particular festival, and I've moved on in my, in my career. So this will actually be my last year. For those events, um, you know, they, I mean, they range from five hundred dollars to seventy-five thousand or two hundred fifty thousand dollars now. So it really just depends. Oh, so a bluegrass band which has two hundred fifty thousand dollars just to play? I, I mean, there's a bluegrass artist right now that I actually booked in twenty seventeen, Billy Strings. I mean, he's getting uh, he he's getting really big, like really wow. big. The year I wanted to book him the year before I booked him and he was like $2,500. And then I, the next year I booked him and he was like, I probably can't say cause of contracts, whatever, but he was sure. double that. And then, you know, the following year I went to book him and he was, you know, 35 to $50,000 and wow. it's just exploded. I put a lot is, of, is he bringing in. a full band? Or that, that's just him performing for that. That's a, that's a full band. Yeah, but I, yeah. I mean, we did have one advantage over a lot of people. I mean, it was the Florida keys in January. I mean, like, you know, I'm not trying to be arrogant about, it, but it's cold. Most places. Like when you're like, Hey, sure. you can come to a tropical Island in mainland U United States and play a concert in the, in, I mean, that, that, I mean, for me, that festival and its entire success has been location, location, location. On the early days of the festival, the first five to seven years when I was super p passionate and hadn't kind of started my entrepreneurial journey the way I have now, I did a lot of research, you know, like I've gotten a lot of bands that have, you know, been on the, like, there's a lot, I mean, bands are like products or businesses i'm not knocking them in that way but there's always going to be the next band so if you put in the research and the time you could take like the money ball approach you can find these bands that are just yeah. right on the cusp like right before they're going to pop and that can be marketing for the next year of your event you know like when belly strings this popularity that he drew now when i show videos and pictures of him playing my festival like that's way more value than the value of the you know yeah, yeah. Than him playing the festival and there were several others not just him but um you know I, I did put a lot of research on trying to find that like next band that fit this a certain fit for the festival you know like sure there there's different there's you know duos that are like boyfriend girlfriend or husband wife duos and you know so i did put a lot of effort into searching out being a hunter gatherer and searching out those bands that are just like right on the cusp and sure. that that strategy worked really well for me doing all my marketing in-house work work so how, how, how do you get people like what because obviously the whole point of this i guess it's great to have it's great to have like something people could use like someone starting a concert from scratch like what's what's 80 20 like what what's the biggest thing you use and the, the first thing you well what's the first thing to get the initial sales and then what was the biggest most successful way of getting sales Location, location, location. For that event, it was the Florida Keys. It was January. But, but, um, but selling tickets, so obviously, it's, it's a cool location. But you, how did you get a word out? Facebook ads. Facebook, all Facebook ads, yeah, yeah. I, and, you know, um, I did a lot of work with – so the Florida Keys is a popular t tourism destination. And and I'll, I'll give a lot of my success to the Florida Keys on, like, my marketing and stuff because um, I worked – very closely with Florida Keys Tourism and Development Council. So they had a lot of grants for marketing, a lot of workshops, you know, with their agency on hand on like how to build people 
I I'm in the running industry now, and I, I will tell you the concert and music industry is absolutely brutal because um, concert tickets are a very low value, meaning like it's it's the risk versus reward is at like your your numbers, yeah. like you said, can be incredible. Like I could have way more engagement, like website traffic's through the roof, but people wait to the last minute of buying tickets, short of having yeah. like these massive multi multi million dollar budgets which you know are becoming a dime a dozen like it is absolutely brutal like i've had it rain out of 10 years it's rained like six years on festival day and it just i mean most of my gray hair is from that and that's <laughs> actually how i segued into running events is this the stress factor that you're hitting on of selling those tickets like it it really doesn't matter it all comes down to the weather forecast two weeks out you know like i would get a decent population of people traveling to my event. Um, you know, when I say decent, like we're, we're, this was small potatoes as far as events, but you know, 300 people would travel from random parts of the country. Those people yeah. are in, but that's not enough people to pay for the event. Um, and the, the stress of, of producing an event uh, that is just the risk versus reward, like the concert industry is tough. I'm a, I'm a musician and extremely passionate about it, but I really have, after, this is the 10th year I'm kind of saying goodbye to this festival for the not-for-profit. I hope it continues. Um, I will still consult, but I will no longer be like the producer of the festival. Um, I can't It's interesting, yeah. I've got, involved in, I've got involved in some music promotion and kind of, I, I like a lot of, I like a lot of punk bands and different things, and I've, but I've got involved, but I've, I've just, for me, it's been kind of a hobby, but it's like, it's a, it's a stressful hobby, you know, like, so I've, I'm doing less and less of it because, you know, it's, you know, it, it's, it's quite a cutthroat industry as well. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I play bass and stuff as well. I, I love the bands, but, you know, dealing with, you're dealing with manage, managers, dealing with agents and, and, you know, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's a tough industry, you know, I want to say sleazy because it, it is sometimes, but not generally, but it's, it's a tough industry, you know. There's there's a lot of sharks in it in music in the music industry. Absolutely, and dealing with the contracts, and you know, there's a lot of really good. When you talk about producing, there's a lot of really good bands that don't have agents. Um, yeah. Agents are great, but the problem is, is you know, and this isn't a knock on musicians either, but like talent, talented musicians aren't always the best business people. Like mm -hmm. there have been musicians that I've worked with that haven't had proper agents. That it, it has been a ton of work to book them just because yeah. they're just so hard to nail down. They're, they're, they're super creative, ultra talented, but they're just really hard to, to get to, like it takes a lot of work. So it is a yeah. cutthroat industry and the contracts and non-compete contracts and like radiuses, like you can't play, you know, like you anchor gigs. I mean, it, it goes on and on. It, it is a passion of mine, but like I said, it's it's something that I've, I've kind of moved moved on beyond or am in the process of moving beyond as i as i focus on my own businesses and cool. um that's you know i i love it but you know it's it's tough i i hear cool. you yeah so, so so how did you get into running your own business like what, what was next so a very uh, i'm I, um, my business partner in the Florida Keys, we also have a destination race down there and that's kind of where it all started. Um, it is the, and I just recently am departing that company to focus here, but we started a, a race, the Almorada half marathon, which is a destination half marathon in the Florida Keys. Um, a really close high school friend of mine 
had and one of my best friends had been he you know he we come from similar lives like we were both divorced so we moved to the florida keys to go to high school at the same time so i moved there in 10th grade he was a year older 11th grade he uh he was in the running industry in the boston area and had in a, a very successful events company up there called the green stride and produced running races and you know he was coming down the keys he's like there wasn't a, ha a this was your friend's parents i guess Oh, no, this like my friend's parents, like his mom had lived there. So he went to high school in the Keys. Okay. But his same sort of split home childhood kind of thing. Oh, okay, got it. So when he was after high school, he ran this events company. He, he went back to Boston, which was where yeah, he yeah, came from. And he started his events company there. And he wanted to to produce a, a half marathon in the Keys. And, uh, you know, another big part of events is, you know, the politics of events, learning your planning departments and, you know, the the permitting and sheriffs and, you know, local officials, those play integral roles. And because I'd been working with the nonprofit and producing the music festival, like I had the local connections for the event, you know, as far as permitting and stuff. And he was like, let's, you want to be partners on this road race. And I had never, I had never done a running event at that point in time. So I embarked on this partnership with him on the Almorada half marathon. And, um, you know, that is kind of where it really all, and not that we were some huge business, but that's where it really all started for me was that race. Um, yeah, yeah. And if, you were, if someone was looking to start like a running race, I'm fascinated by this industry. Like I know there's a guy here in Prague runs, uh, I live in Prague in Czech Republic and he runs the, the marathon here purely as a money-making thing. And he, and he gets the city, you know, he originally, I don't know if he does now, but originally he got the city to give him some money. And, and, and he sort of said it's best to find a place that really wants the event because they can maybe pay you or otherwise they can give you a load of stuff. They can help get rid of get the permits. They can do all the other stuff. Is that is that what you'd recommend if someone's looking to run like a, a sort of a mass participation event somewhere? Should they try to find somewhere that really wants an event and doesn't have one? Is, is that important or not? Oh, I absolutely think it's important. And I think when you talk about having an event, you also got to look at the long term, the life of your event. Like I have learned from producing events in the Florida Keys that just because you start an event and they want it doesn't mean they're always going to want it. Like my yeah, Bluegrass yeah, yeah. Festival, not to That's go back to that any one. kind of event, any kind of events like I, that, you know, you know but um, so I, I my events are that I think you, you got to have something more than just the event. Um, you know, I, th I really think, and I'm not trying to beg for more competition, but destination events, like people, we all, I mean, we all want to get away. Um, sure. I'm big on pushing destination first event second. Um, you know, like I encourage people to come from a long way. I live point. in a s small town, so I don't get the, the same benefits, but in the Florida Keys, yes, we definitely had some um, grant incentives to produce the event and also the timing of the year when we produce the event. Like our event, um, the Amra Half Marathon is the second weekend of December. And the reason it is that weekend is traditionally one of the slowest weekends of the year. So all the hotels are empty, like people, you know, and you know, season's coming. So there's like this double-edged sword, like everybody does like the, the workers and people are like, we like the downtime, but the fact of the matter is businesses, businesses need revenue. So focusing on times, looking at hotel occupancy rates of areas yeah. and when the occupancy rates are low and when they have a good chance to to be low for a long period of time, meaning not just, you know what I mean? 10 years down the road, is there still going to be a demand on that weekend? Like yeah. starting an event on 4th of July weekend is not really a smart idea in my opinion. But if you, you know, my events here, 
um, now in West Virginia are strategically placed at times of the year when I feel that tourism is needed. Yeah, great. So yeah, I suppose, it, it, like you said, two two reasons. One is cheap people can get cheap accommodation things that helps, and the other one is the area probably the the council or whatever for the county or the town probably wants you there and might even pay some money. I mean, do you have you got money? Can have you got people to pay you money to host an event, or or is it more just you get benefits they help you out with things? I've gotten grant. I've gotten grant money for marketing. Grant money. That means that the, that means the local municipality has some grant money to pay on promoting itself. Is, is that how it works? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, if there's also so this goes into a double-edged sword. A lot of people. I've taken a very. I I have gotten grant money from events. The our event in the Florida Keys is it does very well with grant money. I would suggest that if you, it, depending on where you are, talk to your local municipalities, talk to state agencies i mean there's also uh how much effort it takes to get the grant versus is it worth it um i've also taken the approach to a lot of people put a prime focus on or an emphasis on sponsorship but um you know being an event marketer kind of is where i was headed having an event marketing agency prior to COVID, and now i'm just on my events i've also put a, a focus on getting people to the event for me it has been easier to get a hundred people at a hundred bucks to an event than it is to get $10,000 worth of sponsorship. And there's also that kind of like shock and awe thing. Like a lot of event producers are like, we need to get $10,000 in sponsorships when really it's like, that's a hundred people. So I, I would rather have, a, you know, I'm going to just throw it out there. I have a race coming up here at the end of August, the moonlight and the falls marathon. I have zero sponsorship for that. I'm going to have close to 900 runners. I've focused everything on getting the runners there because I know the experience of people being there with that crowd and that energy, that that is more valuable than having a half or a quarter of the participants and not that energy. It's that interesting. I, I have a similar experience with my events. I, mean, I run, you know, it's, part of my business is running uh, Google events for schools, events for teachers, you know, and who use Google workspace and schools and i used to focus a lot on getting sponsors in the beginning and then it just became a pain to, to and, and i wanted more people there because like you said more people makes a great event so i stopped almost completely focusing on sponsors and just events and what happened from that is we got uh, obviously acer you obviously know the, the laptop computer company got in yep. touch make so we didn't have a sponsor and they i mean after a lot of negotiations i, I went out to taiwan to meet them which was cool uh, a, few, uh, a few times but um now they sponsor all our events you know because we didn't really have a sponsor so like and that's that's a i mean you know touch wood and but that's a great deal because i don't have to deal with lots of small companies i don't have to focus anything on getting sponsors we just run our events and, and we have them you know so that really came about because i'd given up looking for sponsors i just i just thought i'd rather get more people forget about the sponsors you know yeah and i mean you, you, there's also the fact too is once you you land a, a key sponsor like that really opens up your door Prior to to COVID, literally the year before COVID, our race in the Florida Keys, we landed Celebrity Cruise Lines as a presenting sponsor, and that just changed everything for the event. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you're not like Johnny's Restaurant sponsors yeah. the race. Like all of a sudden, it's like the the perception of your event. Like the fact that you have a giant company sponsoring your event completely changes your in my mind it changes your perception to other sponsors it's like an anchor sponsor really you know like it really opens you up to a whole bunch of doors so so my event company that i have here the canadian valley running company i am as we move forward into to 2022 
um, I am going to put an, an emphasis on developing a brand. And then the next step is uh, in 2023 will be major sponsors. So how did you come about? You were running this event with your friend from high school in Florida. You were yep. partners. How, how did you come to, uh, how did it happen that you moved and, and started your own events? And, and how long, was that last year? Was that recently? Like, when did you start? And, so, and how did it yeah, and it, it kind of all ties into COVID. So I think it's interesting. Other people yeah. might. So um, in, I was working for the not-for-profit. You know, I met my, my I met my wife on vacation in 2000. She was on vacation in the Florida Keys on 2009. I met her at a bar. She's Canadian. We had some immigration struggles that you know were brutal. I, I took some time. I was the general manager of a of a big restaurant in in Isle Marotta in the Florida Keys called Marotta Bay, and I left that position, you know, and then went back to being a waiter, and that's how I got started into events. Blah blah blah. In 2017, we moved to West. West Virginia. Um, I'm originally from West Virginia. I had been a ski bum for a long time. My wife's from Toronto. We, we liked the mountain life, but yeah. we also wanted opportunity. And um, in the Florida Keys, things had gotten very expensive, you know, even to, to start up a business or start a business. So in 2017, when we moved here, that I had been also being the, the manager and marketing manager for a, a brewery in the Florida Keys at the time. And so my events and everything was my side hustle. And in 2017, I decided that I did not, I did not want my, my businesses to be my side hustle. And the brewery I'd, I was working for are still very dear, close friends. You know, that was the first business I'd worked for where they were peers. Like they were, I went to high school with one of the owners and the her husband had become a close friend so this first time in my life i'd worked for i'm 42 for a couple that was 42 and they were like yeah. making their dreams happen so we moved to west virginia almost in in kind of the digital nomad i mean west virginia and i love west virginia so please nobody take this the wrong way we're like a third world country i mean our prices when we moved to davis west virginia were extremely affordable so it was cheaper for me to move to West Virginia and, and pursue my event business than it was to stay in the Florida Keys. Like I, it would not have been sustainable. Uh, yeah. There's two things you said there. That's interesting. One is a side hustle. That's, I mean, everyone, you know, you, you, I'm stating the obvious, but you don't need to just go and start a business. The best time to start a business is when you've got some income going because then you, you see, do you really want to do it? Cause honestly, if I think if you're not going to, if you don't want to work on it enough in evenings and weekends, and you're probably not going to want to do it as a full-time thing, you know? Yeah. So, and, and, and then obviously the, the, um, the baselining thing you said, I mean, I, you know, I, I've, I did a similar thing. I moved to Prague. I've lived in, you know, in Asia and many places. And you just got, if you're going to start a business, you just got to get your costs down, you know, especially if you run an online business, but it, you know, if, if you're spent, if you're living in Manhattan, you know, and you're spending $10,000 a month on rent and you need to make, $20,000 to have a good lifestyle, you know, and it's all of a sudden, yeah. you know, it, it's starting a business is, is a lot more stressful. Yeah. It, it, it's tough. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I would be willing to tell you that the prices in, and I love the little town of Davis, West Virginia that we're in. There's some really just amazing things happening. And I, I've lived a lot of places where it's like, man, you should have been here 10 years ago. I, I feel like the time is now, but yeah. so the, one thing that prepared me for COVID and nothing should prepare me for COVID. The reason I started the Canadian Valley running company, which was originally started with one race is in the 
fall of 2017, the Florida Keys was hit by Hurricane Irma. It destroyed right. everything. So yeah, yeah. all of a sudden, this this live here, travel to the Florida Keys once a month to produce events and work. That that life was just literally destroyed and put on hold by by a hurricane. So did everyone lose their jobs? Like, how did it work? Well, I, mean, I mean, a lot of things. No, not lose their jobs, but there was a serious rebuilding phase. Things closed down for months. I bought the domain name for the Canaan Valley Half Marathon, which was the first incarnation of the business I have now. The yeah. day I hit send to the runners saying that our race had to be postponed. And like right. that was like, how, you know, at that point we had close to a thousand people registered, you know, and the brutal thing is, is everybody wants to come help because like they know you just got destroyed by a Florida Key or the Florida Keys just got destroyed by a hurricane. So like everybody was like, we want to come help. And I mean, I can remember being with the sheriff and he's like, Robbie, look like this place is destroyed. Like you cannot have an event. And with disaster um, declarations, so we had to postpone our event, and that was that was like super traumatic, you know, refunds, and uh, we didn't really. And how did that work? Because obviously you got a refund. Did, did that mean you lost money? We didn't offer I mean... refunds. I mean, it it, it our uh, waiver definitely um, had some clauses in there for that. Most people were were understandable because we our town was literally destroyed. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, my dad's house was destroyed. I'm sitting on his porch right now. Like he, he lost his house and moved to West Virginia. Um, so that that was my idea of starting this business is I wanted to start an events business that wasn't um, weather dependent, that I didn't have to six every year starting like right now, early August, start to really be stressed out for eight weeks. If my event, if we were going to get hit by a hurricane and my event was going to be postponed or destroyed, like um i did not want to ever go through that ag again and um and, and also you know, i guess well, like you said i mean the thing about running events and stuff is that people generally uh, decide a long time in advance they're going to do it they train for it so they're, they're usually not going to not do it because it rains and if they decide that they've, they've usually paid anyway yeah and not and i you know you say a lot of people listen to your podcast so not that i want competition but that builds for a really good business yeah model. honestly i wouldn't worry about a competition i mean you've got people in england like in you know in canada like every every i mean all all across asia i mean the chance of someone in your area or you know your state even listening to this is very low you know? um well i'm just throwing it out there but it's a great business model you know what i'm what i mean is like you forecasting like go back to concerts if you want to throw a, a festival you have to book let's just say a hundred thousand dollars in bands before you can even promote your festival. Like at least with a, a running event, you can forecast, you can be like, okay, permits cost this much, you know, safety costs this much shirts are going to cost this much. I need 200, the bare minimum people to make this event just like not lose a ton of money yeah. and you can run with it. And then, you know, you got to order medals and you got to order t-shirts, but you don't have to do that till you get closer to the event. Yeah. So, you Sorry. You can forecast pretty well. Definitely. You should check. I don't know, I don't know if you had a chance, but you should look. Um, there's a guy called Chris Robb. I've had him on the podcast three times. Really interesting guy. He started the Singapore Marathon. He sold it to Ironman. Uh, he, he was the, the road manager for the Sydney Olympics for the, for the marathon and stuff. Oh, wow. And, yeah. and um, he now runs something called Mass Participation World, which is all like uh, it's, a, it's a huge conference trade show for mass participation sporting events and he's like you should definitely talk to him he'd be a really interesting guy because he runs you know he's really like an expert on on mass participation stuff and that the whole area of that is really interesting a guy called chris rob but yeah check out his interviews for start and uh 
can always put you in touch because he's a really interesting guy. Yeah, I would love to be. I, I will check him out. And, yeah. and, you know, and I'm not on that quite level yet. I'm definitely a bootstrap no. entrepreneur. And, you know, so for Al Murata, my business partner um, was successful in his industry and the not-for-profit that I work for was successful. So I don't want to say, but I, you know, I, I got okay with Facebook ads and I think, so when I started this event, I started with the registration platform. You have to do it. And I'm, I'm talking to him. I mean, I, there's 600 people in my town. Like I'm not in a very busy area. Um, in the first year for my race, I brought a thousand people here and that kind of, that, that, was, kind the of, first, yeah, that, that was 2017. Was it? Oh, uh, no, 2019. So 2019. I spent okay. a whole year promoting the race before it happened. So I bought the domain name and launched the race for a 2019 spring date in the fall of 2017. So, wow. I mean, so I, and, that was right when COVID hit, I guess, wasn't it? Right. Oh, in, no, no, that was before that was before COVID. 2017. COVID was, COVID was COVID yeah, hit exactly. in the, 2020. Yeah. Um, but so what happened there was I actually got some attention from people in the running industry because they were like, you just brought a thousand people to the middle of nowhere and you're like an, a nobody. So in the summer of 2019, I got to invited to speak about marketing at a um, run signups, a big run platform at their you know, at their conference, which is about, a, it was about a thousand, I think maybe 500 to a thousand running event producers as a marketing expert. And at that point they were, you know, run signup was like, Hey, we'll help get you clients. So I launched an event marketing business. That was more the direction I was going in February yeah. before COVID. I had just landed probably four clients of pretty big events and I, I mean like life was good man so you were um, charging them a fee to to, to to market to do to do primarily facebook and and whatever to facebook to and google people. ads and you know i mean yeah. it's tough because i was a small small guy so like you know you only have control over so much of their you know virtual world well, i mean virtual world their digital world yeah. but yeah my specialty would would is facebook ads for events and that's one way I think I've become successful is, is I don't have that cost. So I've been able to achieve more with less. And I'm not saying like I'm some Facebook ad guru or anything or great. I've just gotten pretty good at a, at a very small niche and been able to accomplish some things um, for me on next to nothing of a budget. Interesting. Interesting. So, so you, so you ran this event in 2019 and I guess that all went okay. Did you, you got a thousand people and, and you were running this agency at the same time you did the two things together, did you? Yeah. Well, the agency kind of started from that event. Like after that, okay. you know, there, were, there were people got it that right. yeah, yeah. came to my event and they're kind of like, you know, so, I mean, a thousand people is not much for an event, but when you're in a, a, a rural County in rural West Virginia, um, it, it's, I, you know, I brought 3000 people to town. I almost increased, the, I increased the population of our County by 50% and no wow. one really even, and no one really even knew it. So that kind of, that kind of catapulted me, um, early March of 2020 when COVID hit, you know, I had months. Yeah, well, I, I guess we're heading to the time when like a now disaster struck, like, so yeah. what, 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 what can you to tell, tell me what, what happens? You're, you're planning to run the event in 2020, spring 2020, and you're selling tickets. And I guess you've sold a few, like give, give me a picture of, of where you were before you heard about COVID. 
Um, so bef- uh, yeah, March 12th was like the D day for me. Like that was Which when is right when he started. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, I had, I was on track to have 1500 runners in yep. April of 2020. Um, I, um, you know, I had had a few marketing clients, so things were just kind of take, I mean, life was, it was the first time as an entrepreneur where it's like, it hadn't quite sunk in, but things were yeah, like, yeah. actually really working. Like, like, I don't think I'm going to be straight, like at the end of the year, it's like, it's not reinvesting everything my business is making and living on a shoestring. It's yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm actually going to have a little bit of a disposable income, not a lot. Like I wasn't, you know, but, um, that, that was where things were headed. So I had month to month contracts at that point with a lot of my clients. I literally lost like everybody on March 12th. Like, and I don't know if they all got on a zoom call and decided to call me like consecutively, but that's kind of how well, it literally every, everyone contacted you the same day, pretty much within a few hours. And it's like, Robbie, like this is, I'm going to have to cut you loose after this month. Like, we don't know what's going on. Like this is going sideways. Hey man, I'm going to have to cut you. What my, you know, the one not for profit is like, I can keep you on, but we're going to have to like drastically cut your wage, which I was, which I did. And, um, but so that's when this whole thing for me, is like kind of switched and you know why I, I joined DC is like, I don't want clients anymore. Like I, for the first time in my life, I want to go all in on my business. I've always had, uh, even my events have been a side hustle and to the point that I was starting an event marketing agency, like the, all these things kind of intertwine, but um, I'm at a crossroads now to where um, my business is my sole focus and yeah. I don't want clients and, you know, and I, I'm not above taking clients, but the goal right now is to, to like any, I'm taking the leap and I'm hungry and, um, that's kind of where I'm at. I feel like, you know, the yeah, idea yeah. to create this business, to have a better lifestyle. I have three young boys, a three, five and seven year old. And I feel like that the, the lifestyle in, we have gone through a pandemic, so I can't be too hard on myself, but the, the end goal has been getting kicked down. The, the can's been getting kicked down the curb. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, I'm ready. I'm just ready to go for it. And I'm nervous, but I, I just, I'm going to take my knowledge and passion and rather than putting it into clients, I'm going to try putting it into my own event. Um, Definitely. Now, what about, so what happened? Did you, you had an event scheduled for 2020 and then it got canceled. Is that right? Or what happened with your 2020? So I postponed the event. You postponed it, yeah. To the end of August of of 2020. Being in, and I did hold my event and I don't want people to look bad on me because look, I do take COVID very seriously. I live in a very rural area. I have a lot of leeway. So August of 20. That's amazing. Like Europe is a different world. You could never run in Europe. You know, I did a, I did a runner a minute. Yeah. Okay. That's a great I idea. Did a stage yeah. start. You know, I'm a destination race. The hotels weren't closed. They were still letting people come here. So hmm. I could not have a mass participation event, but people were starving for just something. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great I, idea. I let, I let probably, you know, at that point I had a thousand registration. I let half, almost all of the people, not all of them. I ended up with around 400. I let a good portion over 50% of my participants postpone to the next yep. year. And I'm yep. still offering those for my thing. So, and I sped, I spread the runners out over two, two days. So I did 200 runners on Saturday and 200 runners on Sunday at one. Right runner a minute. And you were never, you know, I mean, social distancing was there. Like it was 10. I mean, it was like, 
a conveyor belt. You weren't allowed to be within, you know, six feet of another runner. When you got your thing, you could come up. So when they, if they pass the runner, they'd pass, they'd pass a good distance away from Yeah, them. there was, a, and there's a lot of studies with, with running where it's, it's pretty safe. And like I said, I'm in a rural area, like very rural, like there's more deer than people and it's open spaces. So it's not like I was sending people through, through the cities. And my, my only other defense of what I was doing in one logic that, that I did it is the hotels were open. So people were staying in the rooms and That's if great. I yeah, didn't yeah. put my 200 people, which, you know, we probably had 3000 tourists in town that weekend. If I didn't put my 400 people over the two days, 200 a day into the rooms, somebody else would have been there. Yeah, so, sure. so I went through with that. Another thing being in a rural poor area, um, there's some great not for profits here. I've gotten a lot of help. I mean, I, I did everything that the U.S. government had to offer as far as health between PPP. Um, I took unemployment for a little while. I got, you know, I got EDL grants and I, I, I won some a grant. I won a grant for five thousand dollars from enough from like a regional Appalachian not not for profit. That was that's great money to struggling businesses. And I also got a like, you know, super low interest loan from a local not-for-profit that that's that's for economic development that gave me a and you know gave me a loan to to keep my that's business great. alive yeah it's great to hear the hustle i mean this is a true like survival story you know it's great to hear what um did you have any team or was it just you um it's man i've tried to have a team and it's tough it's just it's just me on race yeah. day i have teams um yeah. i'm struggling with with the team thing right now um, I think a lot of people are, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to ask questions in groups like DC. Um, you know, I've spent a lot of time where I've had people work for me part-time and then they go off and they move on. Um, it's tough. The, the employment environment in the United States is, is tough, but there's also my time investment to, to hire somebody. I just hired an agency and I'm looking more at, um, almost the general contractor approach to everything to where, yeah. you know, I, I've done a lot of things in my life, but I was a, I did, I was a construction manager for a general contractor at one point where we just outsourced everything. Like the, yeah. you know, the drywall guy came in, the carpenters came in, they're all different companies. So I actually just signed a contract this week with a marketing agency. And it's funny because when I reached out, they're like, we'd love to collaborate. And I'm like, I don't want to collaborate. Like, I want to hire you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, what? So um, I'm trying to, I'm figuring out that, but it's just me. I mean, I, I do, and I mean, I'm expanding a lot at the moment. So, I mean, I'm the marketing guy. I take all the pictures. I'm the SEO guy. I, you know, I, I mean, it, it's me. I'm the social yeah. media guy. Like I, I and I work really, I, I mean, I, I'm my own hardest critic. I think I don't work hard enough, but I work yeah. really hard at it. Definitely. One thing I'd suggest to look at is I, my, the first people I hired were in, in, in the Philippines, actually. Jane, Jane, the person who'll be sorting out this podcast, uh, Jane and Gwen, and, and they're amazing. And, and definitely if you need someone to do a lot of the back office type tasks, uh, you should definitely have a look at the Philippines. I mean, I've got two amazing team members there. Like, they've both been with me over 10 years. Um, and, and that's just, just a suggestion if you're looking for people to, to do the, um, a lot of admin stuff. I mean, they do different things. Gwen does a lot of it, dealing with attendees, all that kind of stuff. Jane does a lot of the marketing and promotion, but it's just, just just something you might want to look at maybe when you get a bit bigger. Yeah, and it's not even really it being bigger. It's honestly, yeah, I guess maybe being bigger. It's me having the time to 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 like 
delegate it. And I, but if you, you don't know, have the time to delegate and you spend all the time in the future that you would have had free. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, yeah. for me, I guess I told like going from the extreme micromanager where your fingers are in everything to just letting go and looking at the big picture, that's where I'm at. And it, it, it's very, and I will be getting more people like, you know, I, I'm very, um, website and um you know digital heavy so you know i i actually i didn't go that route but i hired a, a design agency where i actually have an agency they're in the philippines and they yeah. do all my graphic work and it's it's great but yeah. i i'm i'm learning to let go and that has been a big downfall for me is learning to to let go and delegate um you know and i have been in management but the, when i was in management and i delegated the structure was there and i feel like it, the system to to let go was was given to me so um that is a personal flaw that i have had to work on as an entrepreneur yeah i mean I, i'm a terrible manager i've been the first to admit it you know I, I don't really like it i'm not that good at it but i've got a big i would say pretty successful team and the only way i've made it work is by finding some people who are good managers and, and, and who can deal with a lot of stuff, you know, and they just take it on. And, you know, obviously it involves, you've got to give them profit share and they've got to, they've got to see the entrepreneurial side of the upside as well. But I, that's what I found because, you know, I don't like managing at all, but I have like 10 full-time people, so I, I have to do some managing. But, but you know, I, I just find finding good people is everything. If you, if you can, and, that, and that's easier said than done, you know, but if you can do that, then it's, and also not just, not just team members, but like, I'm using more and more services now. I'm using Upwork all the time now to find, you know, I, I'm, I'm ever since I got into Upwork, I'm much less likely to hire someone. If I can just find a contractor on Upwork to do the projects, you know, and they just keep doing it at an hourly rate or monthly rate, whatever. That's how I'm. No, thinking. it's great. I use Upwork every, I mean, I was using it a lot more, but I use Upwork a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and it's great because if you need something, you can go there and get it and it's done and that you don't have that for not to, that wasted time either and not no offense to employees but only so when you have a full-time employee only so many hours of billable hours are actually really billable hours um yeah but, and i never want a full-time employee i mean you know i i don't i mean even in, I, I only work with one person even in this country you know i, I yeah. want to work with people all around the world we meet up at our events but you know i, I don't want to go to an office and meet people it's just not what i want you know yeah no, it's tough. I mean, I'm at a crossroads where I struggle with that. I do, you know, I guess I have some local pride. Like I love West, West Virginia. Um, yeah. we're, we're a poor state. We're the second poor state in the United States. Like we're in a, really? a poor, um, because part of West Virginia goes right as far as Washington DC, doesn't it? So I guess it's wealthy in some parts and then, yeah, I mean, so like I, you know, where I live, we are three hours due West of dc they there's a highway that's just finished going from downtown dc it dead ends in my town um yeah. and that has brought in a huge influx of of tourism we just got um the new virgin hyperloop testing center is going to be in our town so yeah. I mean, there's what there's there's definitely things happening but there's so many i guess i've you know and i go back and forth like hiring people outside or trying to find help here because i know that like there there's talented people here that don't have jobs that I could some. So I guess the humanitarian in me wants to find some way to help my community as well as build a business. But Definitely. I, I don't want to be tied to a location and I go through this, but you know, when I ran the restaurant, I worked for an extremely wealthy person and I've worked for a few very wealthy people in my life and they were location independent like you know their teams did made their business well, that's the thing yeah your team just because your team's location dependent doesn't mean you have to be you know? 
Yeah. So, I mean, there is those, I guess, but it's, you know, I mean, you're an, an entrepreneur and I'm going to like being patient and putting all those pieces together and, and being methodical, I think is, is the key in, in trusting in the pro having a process and trusting in it. And that's where I'm kind of at. Sure. That's really interesting. What, um, so what's next? I mean, obviously you survived COVID. I mean, I think you're lucky that you're in the U S where there was a lot of money available, you know, to, for people to get through this time, you know, I mean, here it was, it was hard on people, you know, there was, there was I, a bit of money. Yeah. And I could say being in a poor area really helped. Like if you're in Miami, you know, in South Florida, the cities, there wasn't the same kind of help. Like, you know, they're called the great reboot or whatever, but there's definitely funds here to help um, poor businesses kind of get restarted. So I, I've been fortunate in, in that. So building my website, getting into SEO, content marketing, um, you know, I've always been Facebook heavy on the ads. That is one thing that, um, that kind of, uh, I don't want to be. So I I've even gotten, I want to build a content space on my website, almost as a digital publication for content marketing. And I've even put some affiliate marketing on that site and developing multiple revenue streams. I am developing my own apparel line to go with it. And I know it sounds like I'm going off on a tangent, but half of races is, is apparel. Like people want their swag. Like that's what runners talk about when they talk about yeah, signing yeah. Up for a race. The first thing is like, what's the hat look like? What's the shirt look like? And it's, so it's like, you know, my hats for the race that are coming out this year are, are mine. And they've been a hundred times more work than ordering them from my former, the former company. But at the end of the day, when people are rocking hats and they're saying it's their favorite hat, like it should say my brand on it. And I also, yeah, yeah. This, and this could be a, a tangent for another thing, but you know, races are not, you know, you're like, oh, it's 80 bucks. That's a low price point. It's not a low price point because you're going to train for four months on top of that $80. Like that's a really high entry barrier of product that I'm selling. I'm not selling an yeah, $80. Yeah. I'm selling an $80 product with five hours a week work for four months. That's what I'm yeah. selling. And that's expensive, you know, and with, with um, COVID came the boom of the virtual event, which basically people just want stuff. You know, yeah. so you see people sign up for virtual events. So I don't want to run ads on my website for, for another company. You know, like I don't want to use media and I'm not knocking that side of content marketing, but I want to market my products. And I feel like because I already have the, the market for a, for a lot of these products to sell these products, you know, I need 3000 pieces or 3000 pieces of a product a year. It kind of gives me a, an in with a supplier and yeah, it, yeah. It, it's something I'm already dealing with. So getting the groundwork of the tech packs and developing these relationships. So I, I want to kind of develop a strong digital presence in the running and outdoor niche in the content marketing and affiliate marketing space and have that funnel to my events. And that's, that's really interesting. What, um, so you're expanding now, you mentioned. So, so what's the thing you got through COVID? You're planning on doing more than one event. You're running multiple events now. Yeah, I have a, I have my race in the spring, which is a half marathon, 10 K five K. And then I I have a night race that I've just launched. That'll be, that is a marathon quarter marathon and half marathon and a distance challenge. People can run all night long. And then I've added a trail race in 2022. Wow. And what was the reason you just thought, I'm just going to go big. I've got, I had some downtime during COVID. I'm just going to try to do as much as possible. 
I'm going to say SEO. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, when people start talking about it, it's like you need like anchor content. And if you want to become an authority in your niche, what better way to become an authority in the trail running niche than to produce one of the best trail running races? What yeah. better way to become an authority in the marathon niche than to produce one of the best marathon races? You know, so that was my logic. I mean, honestly, is that interesting interesting now when you run the events how, how do you all how many do you have volunteers do you pay people how many people and and how do you how do you get all the people to run the race and how do you coordinate that side of things so i i i work a lot with volunteers but i do a lot of work with not-for-profits so i basically will trade not-for-profits donations for for help you mm. know i kind of have an hourly rate i pay key paid positions to, yep. to, do, to do my work so I have like like the key paid positions. I hire companies and professionals to do those positions. And then down below that, I'm still very hands-on in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I certified my marathon courses. So I'm, I do all the course measuring, you know, all the event logistics, flow of the event, like the look of the setup. I'm just not the hard labor setting it up. But yeah. um, I'm still very, very hands-on day of the event, um, you know, communications with runners coming from the hospitality background i mean i'm not perfect at it but communication and hospitality bringing that side of things to my event and being very approachable from every single guest is something i pride myself on when does the setup start do you start kind of the day before or even before that or is it mostly uh, on the the week week like wednesdays Right. I usually, my team shows up on Tuesday and we start cranking things out on Wednesday, like getting logistics done, getting all the signs ready. You know, I usually pick up a box truck on like the Thursday or the Thursday before the event and start loading the box truck with all the things we need or various box trucks, you know, yeah. and all the for this year, it's a Saturday event. So like porta potties, tents, lights, all that stuff starts showing up on the Friday and is mostly set up. So we're ready to go. Great. Yeah. I mean, I really, you know, I haven't run an in-person event in two years, you know, and I really miss that. Um, you know, it's stressful as well because everything's got to come together at one time, but I, I kind of like that buzz of, you know, it kicks off and it's all started, you know, and then you, at the end of, you know, you, you're just mentally drained at the end of the day. I mean, it's the same for any event. It doesn't matter if it's a conference or a yeah. trade show or a running event, you know, you just drain. Yeah. And, it, but if you're there and like with the running events, seeing people so happy and just so like, I mean, things yeah. go wrong, you know, and, but seeing people so happy and excited is just such a great feeling. Yeah. Obviously it's always good to hear about like disasters or things that got wrong and anything you can think of, like in one of your events, that was just like total disaster. Like people didn't show up or, you know, things broke down or any, any kind anything like that. Uh, I mean, th- yeah. I mean, I've had runners go the wrong way. Like, um, I, I mean, a lot of the, these things though, any, anybody in this industry can tell you a lot of them, I've, I've never had anything so bad that customers never wanted to come back. My first yeah. year of the of the Canadian Valley Half Marathon, I, I definitely had a miscalculation on traffic and people leaving. And there was an hour, hour long traffic jam to leave my. Yeah, yeah. That was like and I mean, that's like they say, like as in a restaurant, you don't want to screw up dessert because that's the last thing everybody remembers. Yeah. You know, so I, I mean, I, I have I mean, my my events in the Florida Keys, I've had thunderstorms come through at 10 in the morning when the gates are supposed to open at 11 four times in like bad squall lines with like 40 mile an hour winds. Um, the one year, like, yeah, we had 35 mile an hour winds during an outdoor festival. Um, wow. And it, did you, do you run it every year? It went ahead every year? 
yeah, we found a way to do it. Wow. I mean, COVID's kind of taught you, you know, I was thinking about it on this way. I don't count on like my event plan going into effect until days or weeks prior. Yeah. You know, like I have a plan, but I leave a lot of leeway for exactly what you say. Cause it never works out ever. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been to a few real events as a, as a customer. I've, you know, I've done, I did the Prague marathon. I've done a few half marathons, but I think the travel is the thing, you know, I mean, more recently I've got into sort of mountaineering and things. I've, I've climbed, you know, Rainier in, in, in Washington state and Mont Blanc in France and everything. And that's like, that's kind of destination tourism as well. Cause you, I mean, yeah. if you're at my level, you go with a guide company, you find a guide company, you do a whole organized trip and you go there. And I think that's, you know, events like that are getting bigger and bigger. You, you, even though it's not a mass participation event, I'm hearing more and more people getting into these outdoor things and, and paying to go and do them in different places. I think people want to primarily, like you said, they want to get away and they're kind of the, the, the event or whatever it is, is secondary to that. Yeah. And I mean, so like I encourage, I'm, I'm going to have to move inside because my computer's about to die. So yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, I highly encourage people to, um, to do those things when they come here. Like I said, I like to be the catalyst for Rainier or, or one of these other adventures that people, that people do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like to be that catalyst that they, that they're going to do my event and then go do that. I, I think it's, it's huge. I'm sorry about this. Yeah, my no problem at all. That's cool. It's a podcast, my, you know. It's, it's not NPR or something. It's, my uh, battery dies way quicker than, than I planned. So, yeah, yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, look, I, I think we're up to the hour. It's been cool to chat. Where can like where can people find you online? At the Canaan Valley Running or Canaan Valley Half Marathon.com is my website, Facebook and Instagram, Canaan Valley Running Company. Um, I'm on Facebook at Robert Galt McClung, but I'm also, I have yeah. a musician page at Robbie McClung. Um, so cool. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm you said, send me the, send me the links afterwards. I'll stick them in the show notes for people. Definitely. Cool. Mike. Well, look great to chat and Robbie. Thanks. Thanks very much. And let, let's, uh, stay in touch. Yes. Thank you, Dan. Have a great day.